Welcome back to 808 and Podbreak. I'm here with Vaughn, our uh, resident expert and enthusiast of uh, clipping and all things hip hop uh, and all things. How are you, Vaughn? I'm great. How are you doing? Um, I'm very enthusiastic, too, because uh, we're starting this new series where we come and interview our friends about um, discographies, bands that we love and hip hop artists that we're especially enthusiastic about and we want to share the love for like we want to provide a guideline for someone that's just getting into these groups and solo acts to uh, kind of show them what's out there and uh, what like the touchstones of a career look like I'm grateful that you're joining with clipping because uh well I always see you in the clipping swag so I assume that <laughs> yes, you are the true. guy <laughs> yeah I do have all the I'm actually wearing my clipping joggers right now <laughs> not intentional but uh, they are very comfortable. Yeah, I'm very excited to be here talking about Clipping, a band that I think that way more people should be listening to. And you are an invested patron of their arts, would you yes, say? Yes, exactly. Uh, <laughs> I like to put these uh, enormous titles onto people. <laughs> the sort of shows. Um, I'm happy to be there. Vaughn is a, a podcaster, an editor, um, a, a signature editor here at the Twin Geeks. You edit some pieces. You you write, you uh, talk into microphones. Um, I sure do. I do all of those things. You're good at those things. So uh, good to have you on this one. Um, where would you start with clipping? Like, What's their origin story, so to speak? Uh, their origin story. So clipping is, let me make sure I get the names all correct. Clipping is made up of the vocalist David Diggs and then the producers William Hudson and Jonathan Snipes. Um most people will probably know David Diggs, who is also an actor. Um, he is most well-known for being in the play Hamilton. He was in the original cast. Um, I discovered him through the film Blind Spotting, which is yeah. kind of like a, it's, it's like a hip hop film also. Like he does some sort of spoken word rapping in that movie. Um, and I, I think, think it was... Doesn't Snipe also produce on that or isn't he involved in the production of that music maybe that's that sounds right they did release like a companion album along with that movie um which so there's some good tracks on that but yeah i think it was from there that i sort of discovered clipping and started listening to their music and just kind of went from there always and getting more into it snipe is kind of a, a cinematic producer i don't know about the other guy but I, I know snipe's done a lot of like soundtrack work and uh has worked around films uh before and uh is bringing that kind of language to, to what the um, rap is that's different than what else is out of yeah. the industry. Yeah, they're a very knowledgeable group. They've got this very fascinating wide knowledge of like all of this stuff, like films and literature and music that other people don't usually, you know, tend to take as influences. And so their music is so much more diverse and interesting than a lot of the other stuff out there. And that's why I just became so attached to it. I guess my perception of like, I guess we'll call them horrorcore rap, which isn't always a, a favorable label that um, the artist that I think right. <laughs> uh, started that always uh, caught on to because I think they were um, rapping about the extremity of their situations and where they came from in the streets. And it was like, uh, of course, it had horrorish elements and gorish elements. And uh, it wasn't always about that, I think, intentionally, yeah. uh, because there were songs, you know, um, I think like the first like horror rap song was just like an introduction, like this guy meeting Dracula. And then it was uh, uh, kind of like silly family friendly stuff. We got to um, Robert England from uh, uh, the Nightmare on Elm Street. He did a little rap that was um, kind of oh, really yeah, at the origins of the genre. <laughs> 
So the early 80s were already like approaching like yeah. horror references and these things. And uh, then we got to Ghetto Boys, who I think more explicitly brought it into a darker territory. And I think we'll see a lot of their um, influences and uh, kind of the fringes of their rap style uh, approaching on some of this. Um, and yeah, they're, they had the song Assassin, which he's describing describing like the death of his father and like throwing holy water on him and how he bled out all around him. My father was a priest called blood and he's dead. Hypocrite, I called him basis, so I shot him in the head. Put on the holy water, bless the dead is what I said. Then heard the demon screaming as his body bled. And he had like these, uh, the, the group had these vivid scenes of, of very horrorish, grotesque things. And uh, uh, several of them just like quoted like verbatim in, in the albums, uh, albums named after them in uh, uh, the yeah. clipping library too. So uh, we'll get to all that. Um, but yeah, the, the origins there, I don't think the group's always attached to it. Like they, they always had like a critical distance from the label. They were never like, right. we're the horrorcore rappers, we're 3-6 Mafia and we're here because we're <laughs> horrorish. You know, it's not like, I think metal bands had, had more of an urgency to kind of attach to those themes of horror cinema movies. Yeah. And uh, I, I think the, the horror rap is also cinematically tied and it always has been. Like I said, it started with Dracula, then um nightmare on elm street so i think there's like a link that's just hand in hand that uh developing these things in the textures of a rap song is inherently cinematic and it makes sense for it to be cinematic you also have your uh clipping record in the background i think uh we have found the right person here yeah (laughs) i do i have uh i have the visions of bodies being burned vinyl back there i need to collect the rest of their albums it's actually the only one i currently own oh well Um, i I thought you'd have them all by now but but the joggers too first (laughs) (laughs) um but that's their most recent album so if you want to jump back to their earlier stuff first and talk about that Mm -hmm. um so i don't think i have too much to say they originally released just like a mixtape um was their first album uh called titled mid city and it's it's fine i mean it's kind of like that very much a debut album mixtape kind of feel where it is early stuff and they're still kind of trying to find their sound yeah good kid in mid city but then (laughs) (laughs) took me a second um but then they signed to sub pop which is actually local seattle label um big fans of sub pop but then they released their second album titled Clipping, which is fantastic. I really love this album. Um, I had uh, already kind of attached to some of the stuff I was listening to in Mid-City. I actually thought it was pretty okay, like for a uh, mixtape that kind of uh, shows their parts and why like Clipping is going to be what they are. I think like the, uh, first of all, it nails their intros, right? Like it introduces these things that will also be in yeah. Clipping in the next album. And structurally, I think it shows like David's style. Of, um, it's kind of like a monotone rap that either leads into like a double or triple time uh, style of rap. And it is uh, brooding because it is told like without like um, emphasis on like the syllables. It's so right. much like a, it's kind of in your face and uh, confrontational in an interesting way um, that I find appealing. And uh, by clipping, it's just uh, CLPPNG uh, is the next yeah. album that you're talking about. Um, 
by then I think their cinematic style starts blending in. Yeah, there's definitely a lot more in here that feels like like this is kind of where it starts to become like what I really love about them as artists. Like I love that everything that they make feels like like each song feels like its own world kind of and like you kind of get to live in that world for just a few minutes. Um, and so like this is this really has some of those really great moments um, and we'll share a couple of those. But to sort of start from the beginning like that. Um, after the intro track, like that first track, um, Body and Blood, I think is just such an awesome song <laughs> that really does such a good job of like getting you in that gnarly headspace. Yeah, I mean, after the intro, which is like, okay, you you hear the sounds of clipping, right? Like literally you hear yeah. like the, <laughs> the manufactured like sounds of like industrial, um, maybe they're closest to like a, a nine inch nails if they wrapped, like it's almost yeah, like it's, an industrial metal uh, sound. Yeah, they're very, very influenced. Like it's very industrial. They're very influenced by like no that noise music kind of genre. Um, oh, this is a good and those elements. Word, yeah, yeah um, which is can definitely be kind of grating at first if you're not used to that. And obviously, like that's that's a genre that's very niche in, in terms of if people are just listening to that pure noise music stuff, but. I think once you take the time to get into it and like you get accustomed to the way they use that stuff, it becomes really fascinating. I think you said it just about right. That's bringing you into a world. There's a lot of visual in a uh, uh, body and, or uh, body and blood uh, yeah. starting out. Um, he's very descriptive. He's like <laughs> talking about getting the incisors and the pliers and, yeah. uh, you know, her red lipstick, like you get a very strict visual of what exactly he means. Uh, uh, tersely laid out into a, a a really nice poem like if it weren't like so grading it would make a good uh slam poetry entry is kind of how i feel about most of like the good clipping songs is yeah no uh, they're, uh, they're extremely well written they're all yeah. like their own stories it's awesome yeah and they have their own self-contained narratives that um sometimes reach over the album but uh, mostly i think they're self-contained in the songs yeah especially this this they got into more of that in the later stuff but this early album is definitely more self-contained each song is a little more individual i was surprised like there's even some approachable stuff on here like summertime i think a uh, uh, most like casual rap fans might be able to listen to and yeah um, it's a very it, good song yeah it is a it is a good rap song i don't think it like embodies exactly what we're looking for here but right. i think I think if you were like entering in and uh, just like a casual um, rap song that's just talking about like summer and women and turn the six to a right. dime, <laughs> <laughs> which is a, a repeated layer there. I don't know. It just sounds kind of poppy and uh, they can be fun. Uh, it's not all doom and gloom, I wouldn't say. Right. No, like, they're funny. <laughs> yeah, no, I, they do get into that. It's even in those darker songs, there's like those little moments of levity. Um which there's one specifically that, you know, we'll, we'll get to soon here. But if we want to give the listeners a listen, we can start with Inside Out, um, which is one of, one of my favorites of theirs. Um, great song that I think is a good entry point in terms of being a blend of sort of their very distinct sound, but it's also pretty approachable and accessible. Well, let's listen to Inside Out, out of uh, Clipping. That Chevy frame rattling like a Caribbean rooftop in the rain and the window panes wiggle following suit. And the black suit sell bean pies and the cream suit shout soapbox and the lime green suit and angels to the streets with Botox. Don't talk, cause this roller's on the corner. What was it that uh, had you choosing this song first? It's one that I always come back to and it's one that just like, one of those songs that anytime it comes on, like I'm not, you know, it's one of those that I don't skip. Like, 
it's got such great production and it's very upbeat and bouncy and like you just kind of keep going along with it um but it is also like a great example of the way that they write music and like the lyrics are really like fast paced and you catch something like one of those that you catch something new every time mm-hmm. um and <laughs> it is like it's another like it's one of those like stories like and it's one that you kind of get more out of every time like this song specifically is about like a, a shooting taking place on a block and and kind of as the verses go through it's like what's happening beforehand and then during and then the aftermath of it yeah and i think once again it's really setting a scene uh right i i need i mean you need the uh donald duck uh <laughs> sunny d tempe go capri right. sun uh, uh you need those references in there. Uh, no paid ads for clipping but um <laughs> Uh, then it gets into you know like the the setting being at the grandmother's and like the things that are kind of like set around the table I, I mean it really draws a scene that's vivid you get like the dominoes and the cards and the grandma stew in the background and the you know the right. Donald duck with these uh, sugary ass drinks that it's <laughs> drinking <laughs> in uh, I mean it, yeah it's a it's a vibe and a, a place um, I think it's good at evoking yeah definitely it's yeah and like I said like it's it feels very approachable in terms of their sound like it's one to get into where it's got some of that kind of noise stuff in there, but it is also like a very upbeat pop song, pop rap song, you know? I like how it draws from like the Caprice on into the uh, Caprice that's rolling up on the yeah. neighborhood <laughs> with the guys in the bandanas. Like it's right. a good illusion of uh, these words that, you know. Um, yeah, it is. It is a very good example of just like that vivid imagery that they can, they can draw from. Yeah. Like you said, like grandma's house and like just being there in the summer and all those little things you remember. And then, you know moving into like the the police rolling up and trying to figure out what was what was happening just moments ago and they come up with like the the greatest things to like end a song or to repeat in chorus just things like the murders on the outside and right everybody inside yeah <laughs> the murder is out and everyone's in yeah. and it talks kind of like what that social issue also feels like right like uh, all the murders outside wherever you are and you're just like sitting in with family and uh, trying to you know hold tight in there and uh, yeah, I yeah mean, that's is, a gritty song which is good to mention like I do feel like they are very like political and socially aware as well like it's it's good to see like it doesn't it's never with the exception of a couple of songs like specifically if you listen to chapter 319 which is like very explicitly a protest song but mm-hmm most of their songs like it's they weave in that social commentary very well without it being like in your face and it's stuff that you keep catching every time just the what the stuff that they're talking about that's genuinely important to them as a group um would you like to listen to a uh, story too is that uh i would love to listen to okay. story too um which so so the story songs i can't say off the top of my head exactly how many they've released but they've been doing these there's three or four now i think um and they've been kind of releasing them just out of order and different okay. so i think there's 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 a few numbers that are out there now um the other one that is i'm a big fan of is story seven but it's was there supposedly, a story one before this one i don't know if story one exists i, I, <laughs> I didn't see in, it on the first album I don't in think. memory i can think of i think two five and seven I, there might be okay. another one that i'm not remembering but yeah so they're sort of telling the story um out of chronological order and it's funny like i haven't really dived into it but online you can see there's people that have tried to like you know like red string and trying to piece together what's going on in the different songs because they do like reference different characters and stuff um but story two is great because it is just like an explicit story that he's telling and it's fascinating 
I spent a lot of my week just sitting on Genius, uh, the website where people try, try to transcribe <laughs> the meaning of songs. And um, they're uh, especially for um, some rap songs, which I think are, are usually pretty directed and like in the person's voice. It's interesting yeah. when people go in and kind of put their own meaning on it because right. <laughs> I, I find it's the most personal genre. But I guess what Story 2 gets to for me is that uh, this stands out from any other rap act in that they don't use like I as a subject. They don't use the first person ever. Right. They, they exclusively tell like character stories, right? Like Yeah. It's like putting uh, you in someone else's shoes rather than theirs. And it's, it's really awesome. It's like a Steely Dan approach in rap. Like it's uh, <laughs> painting stories and yeah, like, vivid exactly. images of like places, times and people in them. And uh, um, without ever saying like, I did this, I did this. It's right. not like, um, uh braggadocio rap it's not just like oh i'm, I'm yeah. the greatest mc there's sometimes a little bit of that but it's hardly yeah. that's never the focus yeah story two is so fascinating to me it's the story of this this guy that's like a reformed arsonist and he's trying to like put his life back together and <laughs> man you really you really feel like in his in his situation like there's such an urgency to the song um so yeah. let's give it a listen okay um story two also from clipping don't they know we got a lighter in his pocket, a matchbook in his sock, and a block full of charred skeletons closeted, begging to get out, he paused, cause he's scared of airing out the thoughts, he can taste it in his mouth, a sulfur and bitter carbon, hearing all the burning bodies shout, but no, that was a full lifetime ago, and nobody ever has to know, he has never told, well, except... Alright, so we had uh, Mid-City and then Clipping, then uh, the band uh, from there, uh, my chronology is a little out of order, because... Of course, on Spotify, it's listening uh, Riggle as the, the most recent one, but I think that must have come out. Yeah, so between. so chronologically, Riggle is the next album, which is okay. just like a little EP kind of thing, um, but they re-released it last year to uh, remove a collaborator that they did no longer. They no, no longer wished to be a part of the album. Who was because, the collaborator? Um, let me see. I was just reading about it earlier. Um Antoine, um, Antoine. who I'm not not familiar with myself either, Um, but I guess there were some uh, nasty allegations that they did not want to be associated with, so. Well, that's really good. I think that uh, that should happen more often, actually. No, I totally agree. Yeah, it's it's a good move. Um, Even if it ruins your chronology on that Spotify page, I think it's still worthwhile because here we have artists still releasing new music with these very questionable acts, and I think like... I would rather go in and revise my catalog and uh, clean it up than keep releasing new stuff. But uh, yeah, it kind of reminds me of like the way that like gorillas, like they'll just when they perform live, they'll just perform with whoever's there and not necessarily the (laughs) specific song that they recorded. Like it's always interchangeable with whoever they want to be working with, which I think is great. And they have so many features across all their albums. Like, I I mean, gorillas is really like a features band that really works, you know, um, they're a great features band, I think, because they work everyone else into their like house style. Like Gorillas is such like a yeah um, animated visual style of what like a song could be like. That's like outside of what um, it's like a whole just, like everything is the whole thing is like a whole performance, like rather than just you know the the one the music itself. So I think it becomes more than than just that one person that's you know at the head of it, and so right. Oh, blur is the, the word I was looking for. It's oh. <laughs> not quite like the, the style of blur because you're adding all these other elements and it's like these pieces that are so animated. Right. And, um, almost animatronic in the way that they create music. <laughs> it's very yeah. interesting. And uh, um, I wouldn't say quip, clipping's quite like that. Like they have they have some features, but um, 
uh, probably I think they're kind of like in their own zone and I don't think other people could really influence what that zone is. Yeah. I, and, and they do have some great features that I like, but I usually a lot of those songs where the, the feature kind of takes the front seat. Like I end up just missing David's vocals because he's so like magnetic in the way that he performs that stuff. Um, but on Riggle, there are, I mean, at least the, the two songs we're specifically going to talk about are pretty much all David, um, and they are both fantastic. Um, Riggle is an interesting little EP, I guess. It's much more, especially moving on from clipping, like which was a little more traditional in the way it was produced, and like they mm-hmm. weren't leaning as heavily into that noise stuff. Like Riggle feels very much more like they were leaning into that and especially the song wriggle is like incredibly like aggressive and grating in a way that i really like but it's it took me probably the longest of any of their songs to like get into it and like acquire that taste for it um and then shooter is is excellent as well which is uh they use actual gunshots to kind of create the the atmosphere of the song yeah shooter i mean just that idea of instrumentizing a gun is, is interesting of course and um adding extra emphasis onto how that sounds um yeah yeah i i think that's brilliant um yeah i i might have spent the less least time with riggle out of all the albums i was i kind of went to our tracks and i didn't really attach quite to the rest of the album but um i think riggle's a great song at least yeah it's so much fun like i it's it's one that like now that I've, I've kind of acquired that taste for it. And like, it's become one that I really like. Like it's one that I come back to the most because it's just like so much is happening so fast. And it's just like always like fun to take in everything that is, is happening in that song. Um, and these songs, well, not necessarily shooter, but Riggle is, is a little less like narratively focused. It's just kind mm-hmm. of like this wild chaotic rap song um, with that samples. I can't remember the artist. Um white house is the is the artist and they're like an industrial group and they kind of okay. so they sampled that um that main line from wriggle um, looks like a wriggle like a fucking eel it's a white house song <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah i mean uh, the name is appropriately uh construed in this song <laughs> yeah wriggle like which a fucking is, wheel seems like the subject of this song yeah which is it's, i mean it's why i admire their music so much like they have all these influences and it's totally just like they wear it on their sleeve but it also doesn't feel like it doesn't feel cheap in any way you know like they're using it because they have so much reverence for it yeah i think of often the old ezra pound quote that you either need to admit your influences or hide them completely like uh, <laughs> you can't have a middle ground where you're just uh, right uh stealing from people and you're kind of like uh yeah, that's that's all right, but I'm I'm kind of hush hush. But I think you should just say it. I think you should. Yeah, totally. Uh, I think it's something to be proud of because it shows where your music's coming from. What right? You I mean, come from yeah, that's what art is. I mean, it's not made in a vacuum. So like yeah. to to try and act like you're not being influenced by everyone else is just ridiculous. <laughs> so yeah, I think the two options are either to show no influence or to really wear it on your sleeve like this. I think it's more yeah. admirable to show it. I um, totally agree. I think uh, just out of general sake of discussion i think we should choose one out of these two songs i'm gonna put you into a pressure situation where you cut one okay uh, all right let's go with uh let's go with wriggle then which i think is uh kind of a good sampling of how aggressive they can get so it's fun to listen to <laughs> fantastic <laughs> fucking pick um wriggle from wriggle uh hey, 
just a, a fantastic heavy song. I, I love listening to Riggle. I think it caught me off guard, maybe the most of, the, of your <laughs> list, but I think uh, I was fascinated by the way it caught right. me off guard. This next era of Clipping's career is also very interesting to me in the way that I like looking for albums that are cohesively concept albums and have something uh, larger to say about the right. band and the act itself. Yeah, so here from, from those first few albums and their smaller Riggle EP, we move on to kind of what they've been doing since then, um, which is sort of their concept album era where they, they started with this album Splendor and Misery, which is this awesome like sci-fi Afrofuturist concept album um, that, and hopefully you, you like your sample that we provide, but I highly, I can't recommend enough just listening to this album all the way through because I think it's such a fascinating way to tell like a cohesive story, like you said. It's the hardest one when I looked through our list thinking what one, I, I felt like it should have been one, like, uh, I don't think we need to provide multiple examples of this, but there are several that it's hard just not to include. I, I love all black, um, uh, just several of them that, that uh, it's hard to choose between an album that cohesively yeah. tells a story, right? Like you want so many of those ideas, you want to fit the parts of the narrative into like your discussion. But um, I'm also not sure because I've only listened to it twice. I think that I, <laughs> um, uh, some on Spotify and YouTube just thinking like, well, I don't I don't quite know what the story is. I know it's like a, a black astronaut in space and Afrofuturism. I think I'll, as long as those themes connected with me, uh, yeah. my exact idea of the narrative might not matter. And I think that's partially why like their music is so rewarding to me because like you can just keep listening to it and always be picking up new things like and especially in this sort of concept album format like you said like you've listened to it a couple of times and you still don't necessarily have that full grasp but the more you listen to it like the more you'll kind of glean out of what each song is is telling about those little aspects of the story. My hardest drop I guess from our list was The Deep which is kind of a song I obsessed over while we were putting this all together thinking about Fantastic what clipping song, could yeah. be. Um, I think that expressed like I think the far end or the the deep end of what clipping could be <laughs> as a an act that is an artistic um it's like you go into a museum you see a, a little art exhibit like so yeah. like clipping could be that you could play that in a room right. with like some photo uh um some photo elements but there's I also saw that it was a Hugo nominated I'm like hmm we we have to get that in but then I realized this album also Hugo nominated, uh, <laughs> uh, urged on by like a, a fan consensus that this and that I think should both be under greater artistic appreciation. I think, uh, uh, you know, eventually we had Kendrick win the Pulitzer. And I think that's where we really got what we needed. But um, uh, I think it, it's so important when when albums like this get their at least nominations. I think it's great that they achieve two huge yeah, nominations. Yeah, you know, recognition at least, like, yeah, for this kind of stuff. And like you said, like it is, at times they do feel much more like experimental. So it's nice to see that kind of manifest into something where it's getting recognized by those sort of institutions for being also like just that 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 that, that excuse me that production being recognized for being as great as it is. Um, and especially on Splendor and Misery, like I love the production, like the, those guys just are amazing. And especially I highly recommend watching any of their um, live performances. They've done a lot like throughout the 
pandemic, like stuff that's kind of like live performances, but from home and the stuff they put together, like and to make these different sounds and recreate them while they're performing them is just so, so interesting to watch. But yeah, I mean, everything they do feels to me like an audio art installation. It's it really it's is. Yeah, it's fascinating. I mean, uh, I, I do think you should go listen to this first and then the deep um, uh, because this we're talking about, you know, like Afrofuturism and like uh, black people in space and then uh, the deep, of course, is about, uh, you know, pregnant slaves, like throwing their babies underwater and how they learn to breathe and take on new lives and adapted into a book by River Solomon, um, which I, I really want to dig into later. But uh, I mean, there, there's so much depth, like you say, with clipping where you could keep looking at things and you keep seeing more and more of the picture. Yeah, it's um, awesome. It's what I, it's just like I feel like I've been listening for you know a few years now and just like <laughs> still still getting so much out of it every time like it just never gets old to me I think that's the kind of band that you could really um instill a lot of faith in and kind of right. express as a personal favorite because there's you know I mean there's there's some bands that I like that it's all just surface level stuff and I've been <laughs> sitting on it for years and just I I haven't gotten anywhere you know like I I mean it's good poetry perhaps right. but it's like a direct poetry I think it's so rewarding and why bands like, of course, like Radiohead or something draw like the, like the <laughs> yeah, greatest sure. um, audience appreciation. Cause you could keep digging into like time signatures and what they're doing. But here, I think it's more experimental themes and um, purveying like a different uh, culture than is usually in hip hop. And um, yeah, I, I really enjoyed this album and I think it might be my favorite. Um, I, I think oddly, I think this is the one I feel most attached to. I think there are, it's hard to like kind of describe, like there are other other albums that I individually, I like more tracks on, but I think Splendor yeah. and Misery as like a cohesive unit, it, it works the best for me. Yeah, I think so. And I think it's the best album. I think they have, I think they do have, you know, albums with better tracks on right. it than this has. Uh, but yeah, cohesively, you look at like, uh, like the old Rolling Stones, like here's a, a statement of what an album could be. I think Splendor and Misery is it. Yeah, especially in a time where it feels like that's, you know, like disappearing, where like albums are now just like a collection of random songs that don't necessarily need to fit together, which, you know, that's how the, the landscape evolves. And that's fine, mostly. But it's cool to see when someone can actually do this stuff where it is an, an album as like a cohesive artistic unit. Um, but yeah, I think and I, I picked this song specifically because I think it's a good example of what the, the the album kind of expands out into, which is like this very atmospheric, like industrial space stuff. And like, it reminds me a lot of just like the atmosphere of like stuff like Alien, where it's very like cold and metallic. And the song does that so well. So if we want to give True Believer a listen, this is a fantastic song. All right. Let's hear True Believer from Splendor and Misery. I see like the utility of clipping most when they're just um, creating these songs where they're very deliberately paced and where the V right. gets so much space. Like you could see his slam poetry origins kind of slipping through and things like True Believer, where he's able to really pace out the intros and uh, I guess create his own space around his own words. Yeah, it's he just fascinates me so much, like listening to him and watching him like perform and stuff like the way he 
like everything he raps is like so clearly enunciated and like there's you never you never miss anything you know where some stuff it just feels like it's all coming out too fast to pay attention to it but everything even when he you know really gets in and is going fast it's like you're you're clearly understanding everything he's saying i guess have you read the um I guess I wouldn't say critical backlash. Have you read the pitchfork of it all on uh, clipping? I believe I did at one point, but it's been a while. So I, don't, you I can't say I recall it specifically. Out anyway, <laughs> it's probably, I mean, yeah. Their whole premise is that Davy Diggs is a very um, articulate and easy to understand rapper, but that he basically has two speeds, which is like monotone and rapping too fast. Oh and yeah, I, think, I, did, like, I do remember that. Yeah. Now, yeah. And their their whole point is like he doesn't have enough enunciation where other rappers would like really hit the uh, syllables and really produce like more feeling out of the words. And I think all that is so intentional that I think it's such a strange yeah. critique. No, it's it's definitely very intentional. I mean, if you listen to like if you do listen to like his um, his album for like blind spotting and like the other stuff mm-hmm. that he's done that is just more straight hip hop and rap and like it's not necessarily that way it's not that that's his only mode it's that that's the sort of <laughs> that's the style that they've designed for clipping and yeah in the way that it works it, i mean it works really well and i i think it's great i guess i can understand not being a fan but to say that that's like all, all that he's capable of is feels really reductive to me yeah for i mean the pitchfork did it multiple times i think they reviewed four of these i think the eventually um, they start sloping upwards on the the later ones, or at least the last. I need to give one. these to someone else. <laughs> I know. Um, yeah, at least a few of them are by the same person, I believe. So it might just be like a pet peeve of theirs. But um, I, I understand clipping not being the most approachable if they're just like right. on review assignment. They don't have much time to uh, really linger on what these songs mean. And uh, but but you don't keep doing it, you know, it's just, yeah. a, I, I feel like there's so much more, like we say, space. And um, I think it's so inherent in the production that they have to wrap this way. Uh, I don't think another style would suit the way that these are produced. Um, yeah, I don't think so either. I, I think the way that everything is so intentional to me, like, I don't think that you can really do it any other way. Um, so you know fair enough if, if you're not a fan of that but yeah to say that it's not working for the music that they're making is totally I think false <laughs> and what would um, your what would your pitch be I guess to someone that uh, I guess hadn't even thought of getting into clipping like what uh, would you say to get around like the there is a, a critical barbed wire because pitchfork are the tastemakers of music <laughs> and, uh, if not the most respected then they're the most read um, so yeah it's tough I mean I definitely think there's a bit of a, a barrier to entry just in the way that it is. It can be, you know, grading and it can feel, you know, it's so different from a lot of the stuff that most people listen to. Like it does feel difficult to ask people to get into it. So I try like when people are asking for recommendations, I try to pick the stuff that is more in that realm and is more accessible and hope from there i mean that that's kind of the way that i got into it like from from picking those sort of surface tracks and and getting into those and then just liking it more and more and then you start getting more into it but that's kind of my goal with with picking this this track list that we've got here was just what are the what are the few songs that i can introduce people to that will hopefully give them an idea of what clipping is about and what they can expect if they want to dive deeper into their music are we moving into uh, There Existed an Addiction to Blood? Yes, okay. um, which is definitely the kind of my discovery, I think, of of Clipping was was this album. 
I believe the first thing I listened to was Nothing is Safe, which is Clipping's homage to John Carpenter. It's so cool. Yeah. Yeah. And this album. So this is sort of like you were talking about earlier, sort of their horror driven stuff. Um, these last two albums mm-hmm. and specifically this album, there existed an addiction to blood. The title is a reference to the title track from the movie Ganja and Hess. Um, and they also sample Ganja and Hess, that song um, in the album. But yeah, those this are is words where... in that actual song. Uh, yeah. From Ganja and Hess, yeah. Which is a fantastic black uh, vampire movie, which is uh, you think of like Blackula and stuff, but that's, that's right. the ultimate artistic or uh, a vampire movie from the black community i think oh, uh, yeah. we're not the ones very to say that, but, uh, <laughs> but it is gorgeous and essential yeah definitely but yeah this is this is their most i think cinematically influenced stuff where like there's multiple tracks on these albums that are either direct references to films or are heavily influenced by films um, like this album, if we're talking about their existing addiction to blood, um, like I said, that first track, Nothing is Safe, is totally John Carpenter expired and inspired. And sort of the story of the song is like this inversion of um, Assault on Precinct 13, where that movie is a police precinct trying to defend an onslaught of gang members. And the song is like a a house full of gang members trying to defend themselves from a police raid. And it's interesting uh, in that song specifically, he's um, kind of biting off like a, a schoolboy cute um, rap style that he has. He takes like the flow from a classic schoolboy song, which is kind of, again, uh, where your inspirations on just right. listen to what they want from schoolboy. If you want to hear like the origins of it, but um more importantly, that song doesn't fuse with Carpenter. So I think it's a wholly original work if you add that piece. Yeah, it's fascinating. Um, yeah, there's there's some more stuff on here. Um, La Mala Ordina is also a great song, which, and that's a very feature-heavy song, mm-hmm. um, which I also think is great. But La Mala Ordina is the Italian title for the movie The Italian Connection. I didn't know that. Yeah, um, which is a it's a pretty good movie. It's like this great like sort of sleazy Italian seventies cop movie. Um, Have you gone through and done like the whole uh, clipping cinema? Do you think you're up on what they're? Referencing? I think I'm pretty much up. I, I I tried to tried to go through everything and watch everything that I hadn't seen, and I think the Italian connection is probably one of the the more obscure ones um, as far as what they've what they've referenced. I wonder how they how they landed on that film as like an inspiration because it seems so random, but. Well, before we uh, dig any further, do you think we should uh, get into uh, Nothing is Safe? I think that's an essential song. People yeah, here. absolutely. Let's yeah, give it a listen. Here, Nothing is Safe from There Existed an Addiction to Blood. Everyone's safe and sound. This how family do. Only homies around. Everyone here is crew. Something foul in the air. Something feeling askew. Wind is in the pipes. Is that whistle calling for you? Yeah, this is one of those songs that maybe like sit up and take notice what clipping was really doing like i think there's uh these uh sequel albums that we'll be exploring at the end here i think are um thematically linked and uh evoke so much of what i like about horror movies and they're uh yeah fierce and cool yeah i mean there's definitely a lot of that like in splendor and misery where like it feels like a sci-fi movie but i think horror movies like have such striking and specific atmosphere that like when they get recreated then in these songs 
it it really feels very lived in and atmospheric and it's it's what i like so much about these two albums specifically like it you really get that atmosphere like going back to like uh, ghetto boys assassins like him like uh on his knees like watching his dad bleed out and describing like what the yeah. blood looks like is really kind of recreated here in an even cooler way i think a more uh a deeper way that again is wearing like the horrorcore on its sleeve instead right. of just like hiding it behind like a you know uh several references of the occult i think they uh more explicitly uh, deal with those things yeah and like you were talking about earlier like a lot of that other like that genre is more associated with like those lyrics being so aggressive and like you said like they're much more focused on the vocalist being like the narrator of their own story and talking about what they're doing and they're inciting violence but like all of these stories are very much in the shoes of like the victims or the people that are there and (laughs) it's not it's not like aggressive in that way like it's more like living in that atmosphere of a horror movie where like there's an urgency and something's bearing down on the on whoever the subject of the song is once again like steely dan it's about skeevy people that are like you know (laughs) yeah uh, absolutely i guess i guess the parallel i'm drawing this time to steely dan uh which i'll keep doing uh or not um is that there is some space when you uh go from the third person you are allowed to do a little bit more and it doesn't feel like you're taking accountability for it right Right, like exactly uh, you don't have to the things you say don't have to be from you so you could say some really fucked up stuff like uh (laughs) directly i mean uh, you could you don't have to skirt around it and make it sound like oh i experienced all this it's where i came from which is kind of i think the story of rap anyway is uh narrating especially um what you see of your culture and what happens around you it's not so much uh i don't think rap is uh, a genre of interiority um i think there right. are rap songs that are interior i think like the new kendrick album is very interior but i yeah. don't think his others are at all um i mean they, they have pieces right you you have pieces of your community and i think all his others are about what it means to be a person in those spaces and um i think i think to just go into third person tell stories like this and have that darkness i think that allows you a lot of uh, freedom to to actually get into horror uh whereas other rap because you're saying it is so first person so um right yeah it's so of that person and where they're coming from that i think they can't quite admit that about themselves yeah without being and weird it works so well like especially these albums like it feels like the perfect mode for clipping to be in because like everything that they do comes together so well like these these albums like the horror element ends up fitting really well with like you know, like you said, like I'm talking about like what they've, the spaces they grew up in and like the culture around them, like, and the horror stuff, like it very much feels like that way where it gives it like that urgency and like where it comes into like those sociopolitical issues and stuff. Um, like to talk about a song like He Dead, which mm-hmm. does that in such a fascinating way. Like it is like gritty and dark and scary but it also like has that urgency of like oh yeah this is what's actually like happening to people yeah just like the language of them again is evoking like moments of horror movies and um just uh kind of shocking imagery but uh they they create their own space to do all that and i think they can get away with it i think it i think it looks good on them so yeah definitely um you want to listen to another i think this is such an essential album that uh, i would recommend listening to a lot of it actually but um yeah definitely worth listening through the whole album but 
to give another sample blood of the fang is kind of like their the title track um that does sample that um that line from ganjan hess opening with that intro from i believe his name is sam wayman mm -hmm. who did uh the original music for ganjan hess um and then it just jumps into this awesome song by the christians it is written that in the black Merthian age there existed an addiction to blood, 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 blood. drink it up 50 years bad enough time to come back and it's sweet. I mean, like just to take anything out of seventies exploitation cinema right. always sounds good. <laughs> like the way that the Wu Tang takes from their like uh, kung fu movies and and that kind of cinema. Uh, some things, again, rap is cinematic, and it's always been tied to a visual language that's very poetic, yeah. more so than other musics are. Um, more so than you know, rock is not very cinematic most of the time. Uh, rock yeah. sounds like you're driving your car. <laughs> <laughs> yeah and i mean ganjan hess is such a great film to to choose to like sort of rework and reintroduce into a more modern context because like we talked about earlier like it is that sort of essential piece of art that that has its own way of speaking about like those own those social and political issues and then to rework it into the song is is so fantastic and i think even sam wayman has, himself um who is the guy sampled on the song has espoused his praise for how great it is i i was just blown away by ganjan hess it's one of those that i watch and i just couldn't have the i had to scroll back through it a few times watch certain scenes um i i just love like an evocative like 70s horror. that's really uh right on my uh, yeah <laughs> yeah i mean that's really right up my street i can't think of anything that's more uh right. expressively calvin core than something like a uh, <laughs> 70s horror film with you know uh, a lot of social issues and things to say for itself. I remember a friend of the show, Stephen, watched Ganjan Hess last year and then mere days later ended up rewatching it and liking it so much more just immediately. And like, it is that film where like it just lives in your head like that, like the imagery and the ideas of it and always worth a revisit. It's, it's interesting because it grew on me so quickly too. Yeah. I think uh, I watched it and I don't know, I don't think I knew what I thought. Like, I, there, it's rare for horror movies for me not to even know. And I guess clipping is that same way in relation yeah, to Gondra sure. S. Is that I look at the surface of it and I'm like, yeah, that's interesting. And then like three days later, I'm like, right, yeah, wait, but what about those lines? Like those yeah, are those are really interesting. That's sort of like experimental, like art house stuff. That while you experience it for like the first time, and you're kind of more just like almost like befuddled by it and like it's hard to take it in but <laughs> yeah and then it then it lingers and sticks with you and then you just want to return and thankfully with clipping like it's just quick easy songs and you can jump back into it and get that experience over and over especially like they're more um belligerent i guess um not not that the words are belligerent but the sounds like the intros to their, to their right. albums <laughs> i i like put i put them all on repeat because i wanted to kind of experiment and find out like what what would happen if I just kept listening to like their most abrasive versions of their <laughs> introductions? I love that they uh, introduce themselves so abrasively. It's clipping, bitch. You know, it's yeah. just over <laughs> and over. It's a great intro. <laughs> yeah. And I love uh, that they've stuck with that. Like it's always there. It's how they yeah. open all their shows. Like it's just like everywhere. I guess it, they took enough out of Mid City where there are still those sounds that are replicated this many albums in. Um, yeah. I, I don't know if we discussed Face. I don't quite understand what Face was uh maybe you understand that album or was um, it ep 
Yeah, it's been a while since I've really like explored face, and I probably should more. Like I, I said, didn't get like it. <laughs> because everything is because everything you get much more out of it. Like every time you go through it, it's mm-hmm. it's hard to. But like I I believe face is more of like where they do just kind of it's more like purely noise focused and just that kind of thing. And they've done some more like experimental stuff that they haven't necessarily released like as an actual album where it's just like they did. I wish I could remember the name of it off the top of my head, but they recorded like um, this sort of experimental album thing where it was like collections of sounds like recorded from like outside and like backstage of their shows. So it's like oh, you yeah. can only hear like the music in the periphery. Like it's, it's fascinating, but it's like that idea of like, that's like the kind of stuff that um Jonathan and William, like the producers are playing with like these noise influenced ideas that are so much more experimental. And like, it's definitely hard to get into if you're a new fan, but if you can stick around long enough, then it's just more rewarding to go back and and, and visit that stuff. Yeah. I guess I bring it up because face is the only one where I was like the noise noise is noise. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I like it. I kind of like noise music just for like the sake of it. Like noise for noise's sake isn't uh a useless idea i mean it has utility and purpose yeah uh, it's I, just not everything that i'm here for yeah i certainly understand the appeal and i understand like the i guess the aesthetic of it but it's definitely noise as noise only is is not really my thing <laughs> beyond being kind of fascinated by the idea of it and the production of it that goes into it and i think uh yeah in these last two albums um i think we're you know these sequels i think we are getting into like horrorcore that uh it's it's not just noise like it's an aesthetic theme like it's a motif uh, yeah th- the noise works as a motif for the music Does yeah that make for sense? Sure. no definitely i think that makes perfect sense and i think that it seems like they're always sort of edging more towards that like we if we move now to visions of bodies being burned like there's some <laughs> very aggressive noise stuff in this album um that sometimes i'm in the mood for and sometimes i'm like okay that's a little too much i saw that you were a giant clipping fan so i looked into like what these uh guys were up to and i was like visions of bodies being burned what is vaughn really into like you had <laughs> you had like three thousand <laughs> listens to this one album and i was like that doesn't seem like vaughn that i know like like you show up and you have your very colorful hair okay yeah love you too <laughs> uh there's a uh, it's hard to go from uh, that to the kid and then back to that. <laughs> it's like, uh, it goes into like this darkness. That's just like, um, I thought it was unprecedented for your personality. I thought you were an enjoyer of all things and for you to be uh, that despairing and uh, that locked into existentialism. I'm, I'm afraid I, I am uh, confused by. It does seem, I, I, I do agree. I think appearance wise, it does, doesn't seem like I would be the one to be as into this artist as I am, but <laughs> I guess, I guess, uh, I guess you have to of... live. She's walking in with the unicorn balloon now. Oh. <laughs> Again. <laughs> Thanks, Ezra. I love you. Uh, <laughs> just the background you need for this guy conversation is like a giant uh, unicorn balloon. Oh, I love that's it. Just, uh, that's, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's great. <laughs> I like the Sonic 2 poster. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you got the <laughs> Sonic 2 and Paddington in here somewhere. But uh, yeah, as we were saying, uh, you were very interested in death. Uh, and I think that's interesting. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess it's just like this stuff when, you know, I kind of find it, it's it's sort of like that. It's just sort of cathartic in a way 
like to listen to that sort of aggressive sound you know it's kind of similar to me like you know like listening to like punk music or something where it's sort of like being able to like channel that you know whatever angst or pent-up stuff you've got and just like be able to get out of it through a song and I like that that aesthetic plus of course it does bring in like all the stuff that I'm I like so much and other music and and all these this film influence and stuff would you say you need therapy or this is your therapy <laughs> I would say probably both are true both are true I would say that sounds about right to me I think um, everyone needs therapy it's like when our dear friend Stephen, when I found out that his favorite movie were the guinea guinea pig movies <laughs> and he came to write on our, right. our uh, beloved website and uh his first article he had an idea for is that uh, talking about every guinea pig movie. I was like, well, <laughs> this guy's a teacher of children. And I, you know, I had another image in my mind, but that's a, uh, that's perfectly fine. I tried watching them. Those are junk clippings. Great though. So uh, that's the difference here. Well, I'm glad that I could introduce you to something that you ended up liking. You can't get any therapy out of watching people get chopped up. That's all I'm saying. Um, <laughs> Stephen, get that checked out. I, uh, Anyway, uh, say your name. It's a conjuring uh, a song, conjuring Candyman. Obviously, uh, is the icon there. Yeah. So this, I mean, I when I started listening, the they had all of their current albums had been released, um, but so so it was sort of like getting into it through Nothing Is Safe, and then kind of moving on to some of the stuff on this album because I think this is even though I did introduce this as saying like this is their most like aggressively noise focused but it is also (laughs) there is also stuff on here that's super accessible um Mm -hmm. and i think say the name is one of those and it's yeah it's such a great evocation of Candyman and that character and all of the themes that go along with him as a character and this is one of my favorite songs of theirs in terms of how it's written and and the production and stuff um once again referencing uh ghetto boys straight out the top uh candlesticks in the dark visions of bodies being yeah. burned is about him like uh well in the ghetto boy song is about him like uh fantasizing about murdering people right like uh, yeah bringing those elements in <laughs> right. um in a more obvious way but here i think it plays so well as like a um an occult song where it's like a, a conjuring candy man and it's a uh, uh, well placed in time of course because now we got the comeback of candy man just a, a couple a year yeah. later i guess um yeah so uh uh, maybe they did conjure him. Maybe he came back because of this <laughs> song. And it is such a great song because it's full of rap references. Like uh, the more I kept exploring in it, um, even outside uh, Genius, I, I didn't go to them for these <laughs> references because I wouldn't. Um, uh, talking about like uh, in the Old Dirty Basties, Bastard song, Old Dirty Bastie, <laughs> Old Dirty Bastard song, <laughs> Shimmy Shimmy Ya. He's uh, talking about, you know, the bees uh, are going to swarm your college ass disco. That's in the yeah. song. That's a fantastic drop from, um, you know, Wu Tang style. And uh, we get a big pun reference, which uh, my beloved big pun. We have a whole <laughs> podcast in the series about my love for um, the legend of big pun. Uh, rest in peace, big pun. Uh, yeah, just uh, quite a few in here. And uh, I, yeah. think it, I think it works so well. Which speaks to like their ability to put this stuff together so well, because it's like they're pulling in these references from these other artists and but it still fits. It, it all fits so perfectly within like the story of Candyman. And it's mm-hmm. like, obviously, those original songs were not talking about Candyman, but like to find that stuff <laughs> and pull it into this and, and make it into a t- completely different story. It's like, right. I don't know, that's like the ideal usage of, of art and stuff to me. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, if you say, like, 
red blush lipstick. She just crush a lot, but every pun pales in comparison. That's a fun like reference point yeah. that goes both ways. Like, I mean, you could just take a few words out of these songs and it's this album more full of that kind of stuff. It's uh, again, just to say your references. We like that. Um, and uh, I just like the, the cadence here. I like the uh, more of a chorus. I like that yeah. this album moves into more choruses for their songs and uh, repetitions. I think that makes them a little bit more approach- approachable, even when they're noisy. <laughs> yeah, no, this song is, is super approachable, I think. And I mean, catchy. I hope that, I mean, I, in general, I hope that everyone has seen Candyman, which is a, a favorite <laughs> of mine. But even if you haven't, it's such a fantastic and rhythmic song that you can just get into because it's fantastic. And uh, the hook gonna be, of course, is a, a reference to that song. What the hook gonna be? <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, there's there's a lot in here. Yeah, and if so you much. like rap music, I think you know you're destined to really get the song at least. So, I think this is the best starting point for anyone interested in clipping. Yeah. So I mean, with so that, that's let's. Uh, yeah, absolutely. So okay. let's give it a listen. Okay. So um, say the name from uh, visions of bodies being burned. The hook gon' be the last thing she remember The fast lane in December off in drift when she drive College girl looking for the love Learned about it in a book but she always kept the gloves on So when the skin touch, shit, red brush Red brush, lipstick, she just crush a lot I think, uh, I think you were right before that this one might have the, the most good songs for, You know, yeah. for like the stretch of the album I think they're the most I come back to I think for sure, I think this is the most, the album that I revisit all the individual songs the most, mm-hmm. um, and probably why this is the one that I, I currently have on vinyl. Like, it's the most easy to just listen to all the way through. And it's um, a cool album cover. I mean, it's good to get on vinyl. Is. You want, like, a vinyl representation of a right. cool physical thing. And yeah, I like there's... when clipping acts like art installation again. For sure. So there's so much good stuff here and like this is even more i would say aggressively like horror inspired i mean you move on to the next track is 96 nev campbell which can be a more obvious <laughs> reference to screen. what are they referencing <laughs> <laughs> uh nev campbell of course out of the new screen so um once again uh this should be a protest song we should use it to get Absolutely. her back hey nev and- campbell they're fucking more money i mean she's been in all these movies <laughs> right. you give a woman a raise just like you do a male actor who's been in five year 100%. movies you, you pay her any fucking thing you can because clipping made a goddamn song about her and it's a goddamn <laughs> great song this is another case of like me being slightly disappointed like now that these legacy sequels are coming out and like all yeah. these clipping songs reference them and i'm like maybe there's like a tiny chance i'm like maybe that song will play at some point but do you no. think it's a curse? Do you think clipping has cursed these movies? To uh, no, no, Candyman was okay. I thought uh, I, I like Candyman a lot more than uh, the new Scream, but I'm also oh, in the cream? minority. On, yeah, I think I think I'm on the minority on the new Scream. I thought Five Cream was a uh, yeah, not anything it could have been. Um, and Nev Campbell, of course, has a little bit again more chorusy of uh, Cam and China featuring on it. I think. Uh, my favorite feature of theirs is uh, on this song. Uh, I love. Yeah, it's a great I think I feature. I just love the title of the song. <laughs> I think. It, yeah, it's such a good. Yeah. It's such a good title. It's such a good song. Like the song that's just like referencing and talking about like all of these like final girls and that sort of era of. <laughs> such a of fun subject. Filmmaking. Yeah, it's so great. This bitch boss is just a really <laughs> yeah. cool like hook too. That's a good hook, right? 
no mercy yeah. not shit this bitch boss come on i mean uh <laughs> that's as good as a uh, rap song about horror movies absolutely i was a uh, maybe i'm most regretful about not putting this in but again it's not the most david dig song that we have right uh, yeah so it was it, seems... it was hard to put together a concise list so i do hope that everyone you know goes through and checks out more but <laughs> hopefully we picked kind of the best yeah. representation of them but i also do i mean i this album i love so much like something underneath is another phenomenal song that's not as far as i know not referencing anything specific but it's sort of like a like the moment of like a zombie awakening is kind of how i i picture it when i listen to that song talk to our friends from genius that i'm sure they have ideas <laughs> right, i'm sure um but that song's so fascinating to me like the production of that song it's very it's like the opposite of say the name in 96 nev campbell where those songs are so approachable and easy to listen to and not that this song isn't but it's this real. is like All the of opposite of right having like that super rhythmic beat like this song is just like aggressive and it's like an entire song of building up to like a drop that never comes like there's not like a chorus or anything it's just like this aggressive thing bearing down on you <laughs> sometimes they don't have like a verse chorus verse structure sometimes right. they just have a verse and it goes <laughs> yeah know? yeah it's, it's just non-stop which is pretty impressive yeah. but yeah i think that's what it's it's so great that they don't really confine themselves to that they'll just make whatever seems right for the song this could be their best album even if i think that um their more cohesive work on uh what was it splendor called a splendor misery, misery yeah. yeah is a is a more impressive like concept of what an album can be i think this is probably you know uh critically <laughs> you yeah. would go through each song and say these are their best songs yeah um, it's interesting like i've never quite thought about like the specific structure of, of this album but like looking at it and realizing like how it starts off very approachable and then it gets extremely noisy and then kind of moves back like yeah make them dead and she excuse me and she bad are like so aggressive and noisy um she bad kind of vaguely uh blair witch thing um, yeah, at least kind of witchy sure. and and paranormal yeah, kind of um, like that occult like witchy yeah. movie like folklore is is a good way to uh, yeah definitely encompass it yeah but a really cool song and um, uh yeah, you could say the album has a hourglass shape, which I hear is a good way to write. <laughs> now we're referencing our own podcast, specific <laughs> moments from our own other podcasts. <laughs> Wear it on your sleeve. As <laughs> You're right. Uh, yeah, I love this album. I, it is the one that I'm coming back to. Um, I mean, say the name it just has so many reasons. And you, right. I kind of would just want to show it to everyone. I feel like I've shown it to uh, several people in my life um, <laughs> uh, listening to it today with my five-year-old in the car, which is uh, a cool decision. Uh, she seemed uh, curious and afraid. Um, that sounds about right. And it's like, say the name is such a good song to like put at the top because you always want to listen to say the name and then it just flows right through the rest of it and you don't want to stop listening. <laughs> yeah, I I wish we just started the podcast to say the name so people knew what they're <laughs> in for with the uh, clipping. So hopefully you've made it this far that you get to hear like the real yeah, good I hope stuff. So too. Where I think, it, I think we have created a good list where we show like a development of the act and um, how they've kind of come together as a team and produce something special right. and new. Yeah. Mm. And then, yeah, from she bad to pain every day, which is, one of my favorites on this album as well like i i love the writing in this song the the vocals are so fantastic like this is one of those that really seems like it's telling a very specific story and like speaking to something kind of cultural and specific to experience 
yeah, and uh, uh, Michael Esposito feature on here, a good feature as well. Um, do you think we should hear uh, Pain Every Day? I think it should just be heard. Absolutely. I think everyone should listen to Pain Every Day, so let's give them a listen. Death wasn't really the worst part. Time spent floating above is body done. That's when the hurts start. They call it passing. That's not it. They lying. Fuck them altars and headstones. Who they think all them flowers for? Is this where you started with clipping? Is this like this recent album or were you already like way in on the band by the time these no, new ones just, came out? I would say it was it was this album that really got me into it. So it hasn't okay. been too long, but like I, you know, really just fell in love with all of it. And it's just like constantly me like discovering new things that I love about this this band and different songs to like get into. You could say it hasn't a great been way. too long, but again, uh, 2020, two years ago, these have been the longest two years of anyone's life. So if you That's got into it, <laughs> and this covers your entirety of the pandemic, I think it's uh, the longest time you've probably spent with any albums. <laughs> no, I think you're absolutely right. Yeah, I mean, there's Which, so much to dig into, and I think it gave you a good span to do it. Yeah, and such a, a good time for like getting music <laughs> that feels like cathartic, you know, and like think that it's... It's, an, it's a good time to like have stuff that's just kind of noisy. It, it fits in with that well. Um, and it's not like music you want to listen to out in public either. I mean, you, it's good that you're uh, home for a while, hopefully, right. <laughs> and that you got to kind of indulge. Exactly. Like you should probably not listen to these for the first time with other people. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't uh, I wouldn't say so either. I think you should find out about the songs and then know the people that you're going to show them to, of course. Yeah, it's, uh, it's definitely one that I think it's it benefits if you have someone that can kind of be that introduction point for you so hopefully we can serve as that for uh, at least a few people i think um, that's a really great thing about the episodes it's not an approachable um rap act at all uh, right <laughs> so i think it i think it does benefit from this structure i hope people have listened the whole way through because uh, the songs so keep too. getting better i think as yeah. the episode goes i agree and uh, i think we've we've saved my favorite for last um maybe my favorite but Hard to say not, to, not to yeah not to skip any songs um like the rest of this album check the lock i think is a phenomenal song but also i think one of their more, more popular that maybe more people would uh would come across on their own it's definitely yeah. one that i recommend you know if someone asked me but i kind of figured it's it's more like because it's more approachable and it is a fantastic song but because it is more approachable like not necessarily as indicative of, of what their work is you know yeah, I mean, we have to close with something as abrasive as we started. With, so. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, all these other songs are great. Um, Eaten Alive, obviously a direct reference to Tobe Hooper's Eaten Alive, um, <laughs> which great movie. But like, I think this song more than any of their others, like, and because it is like an explicit reference, like it is just like directly going into the the feeling and vibe of that movie. And oh, cool. I you haven't know, seen like, it. I mean, if you've listened to the song, it's almost like you have seen it. Like they, they work hand in hand so well. Like the movie is this decrepit hotel in, I want to say Louisiana, um, where this guy has a an alligator that uh, he ends up feeding people to. So it's like this, uh, and then the song feels kind of the same way. And like the song, the production of it is so very Hooper inspired in the way he did those like industrial sounds in his movies. Uh, do they fuck up a Dollar General for a Gatorade? We just that happens. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay. <laughs> I gotta see the movie then, because uh, it sounds good pretty it's good. Fun. If this is a review for a movie, it's it's a sterling review from a clipping. <laughs> um, 
I, um, I like I like art that makes you want to like uh, experience the things that the artist cares about too. Right. That's yeah, the benefit think... of having those obvious references that we talked about so much is that uh, it leads people to the right art. I think. Yeah, like it. It's in conversation with so much. Like I don't think anything else has done that for me in that way. Where like I've gone and sought out so much other stuff so that I could understand their work better. Mm-hmm. But like it's worked out so well. Like I just appreciate all of it that much more. So uh, we all got to go watch Eaten Alive. It sounds like a group watch, honestly. So it sounds like <laughs> something it, we yeah. should put together with our friends. Definitely. Eaten Alive's a lot of fun. Um, but then we go down to what we're going to end with here, which is Enlacing, which is... I mean, it's hard to like pick a, a favorite song, like especially from these guys who I just love all their music so much. But Enlacing is like kind of the the perfect sort of sense of my own taste where it's like this song that is like it's like a bad trip lovecraft nightmare you know like (laughs) i'll be honest it's the only song that genuinely scares me a bit i guess it's because of like my background of like addiction and going into a coma and shit i'm like yeah i'm very careful with the things i let into my life around this so when it's like about a trip going into eldritch horror and like losing the sensations (laughs) of your body i mean it it feels like a high of its own and it it genuinely scares me this song i i i don't like being in it for long but i think that's just proof of how effective it can be yeah i mean it's yeah it's incredibly effective it's it's so the production is fascinating like it's got this very like creepy eerie like metallic clinking going on like it's it's that stuff where it's it does bring in these like industrial noises that you normally wouldn't hear in music but it ends up becoming very rhythmic and almost like melodic in a way and pitchfork says he doesn't enunciate or do melodies i think this is proof positive that davy Diggs can and, and will um do that oh, absolutely yeah because i think he does so much with his voice to kind of transform it around the song and the song kind of moves around his inflections that um yeah this is proof that they're wrong (laughs) yeah and there's like that cool sort of production inflection where they kind of echo his voice and down tune it and yeah this song's fantastic i think it's a a great one to go out on for uh for the show here well thank you so much Vaughn. uh pleasure having you and uh we'll have you back for another artist i think i'll interview you again whenever you uh want to do doja cat or whatever is, uh, whatever seems uh, absolutely at the time. i'd love to so. come back i had a great time hopefully a few more people can get into clipping from this thanks so much buddy let's hear um enlacing from visions of bodies being burned and uh we'll be back soon with more interviews get your ass down to the floor yeah.